Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, I thank you today for Marcus. Thank you for the almost 49 years you've given him um, to the earth. And I pray uh, that you bless him, especially on his birthday, on his 50th birthday. Uh, be with us now. Give us the message, the message from you. Give us ears to hear it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Tim and team and the children and Benson and Jackson. This morning, um, they were in the, we were in the back room preparing for the service, and I thoroughly enjoyed Jackson and Benson and Megan and Chris and Naomi and Tim and I, and I thought half of our uh, team that's leading this morning is under uh, 15 years old, and that is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing to be in a church with a group of with children. There are many churches who would want what we have. It is a gift. And in this Christmas season, uh, it, we often think about it uh, a lot about children, but let's celebrate the children we have and, and our families. <clears throat> One of the things that, as they, <clears throat> as they sang this last... <clears throat> as they sang this last song... I thought about, it's asking us about Christ being king. Now, Christmas is often portrayed about a little baby in a manger. It's about um, Jesus coming to earth. And, and, and it, that is so true, and, and we, we don't want to minimize that. But there is another part to Christmas that we don't often think. And by the way, um, if you go to any shopping mall right now, they think they know what Christmas is all about. But, and there is a sense where Christmas is about giving and so on. And I never want to kind of minimize the opportunities we have during those times. But on the other hand, as believers, as followers of King Jesus, this should point us back to thinking about a time of reflection in our own lives, a time of gratefulness for the gift that God gave, and a time of thinking a time of thinking about what is it that Jesus, the baby Jesus, and then his life calls us to as, as his followers. Now, we will turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Uh, Benson read the first part, and I want us to just to reflect on the two pieces we have heard. Uh, the Christmas story in Luke 2 is very familiar. And then Jackson read from Matthew about the wise men coming, and we'll, we'll talk a bit about that in a minute. And, and while you think about that, I'd like to read another scripture to you. This is from Galatians 4.4, 4, and it says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. It's the Apostle Paul writing, and he's saying, When the fullness of time had come, God sent his, forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. 
Now, it is easy for us to assume that when Paul writes that, he is meaning the Jews. And there is a sense where he means that, but he also means you and I. And I, I want you to catch the import of that first part of that passage, but when the fullness of time had come, or when the time was exactly right, when the perfect time was, God sent his Son. And it's easy, uh, we often, some, we sometimes question and ask, uh, why is it that God didn't just send Jesus as a full-grown? We put, so much, we put a lot of emphasis on his cross and the resurrection, and we should. Don't, let's not minimize that. But that God had a plan, and he had a timing, and, and he did it perfectly. And when Jesus came in the stable, in, in the form of a baby, that is done according to God's plan. Jesus could have parachuted in, taken care of the sin in the world, taken care of the evil and the injustice in the world, and he would have been fully God doing that. Um, but he didn't. He came as a baby living in the mess and the muddle of a very difficult world. Think about his birth. Think about the fact that his mother lived under a cloud of suspicion. Think about where he was born. Well, in this, in this nation, a broken nation, God had made this promise to this nation, but it feels like nothing is happening. They're under the thumb of a very heavy dictatorship in Rome. They're under that thumb. And, and this is where God chooses to send Jesus. When I was a little boy, or even growing up, I used to think, why didn't Jesus come in our time? He would have had first radio. By the way, I was born 25 B.C. Does anyone know? It's my birthday. 25 before computers. Um, B.C. Um, so Jesus could have come and the word could have spread much more rapidly. But I, it is important for us to understand that God had a perfect time, a perfect place, and a perfect way to send his son. And this is it. It is in this broken woman's arms in a stable. N.T. Wright says, this is because Christ wants to show us that he is willing to live in the mess of our world, especially in the difficult moments in its history, and absorb the pain and shame of all that within his own life, within his own body. Everything about the Christmas account turned our world upside down. And I, I actually believe that Galatians 4.4 4 is right, that this is the fullness of time. And, and in order to understand that, we need to back up a little bit and say, what is the plan of God in the world? Did Jesus come to be the Savior, or did he come to be something much more than that? And I think he came to be our Savior and our Lord, but also our King. And that is reflected over and over in Scripture. Please uh, now follow along as I read from Luke 2. And uh, Luke 2, verse 22. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. By the way, that's why it's important that he is the firstborn. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. 
And it, been, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came into the Spirit, he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was eighty-four. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak to him all who, and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now, last Sunday we heard the first part of Luke 2, and this morning we want to look at the last portion of this. Now think about this, and think about the the events surrounding Jesus' birth. So Jesus is born. His family, as Benson read this morning, is traveling back, and and their their family is traveling under some injustice. They are forced to travel back. They're probably not very wealthy. They're forced to travel back because everybody, the king is demanding that everybody go to their hometown. So if, uh, let's see who was born. Do I know anyone who was born outside of this community? Um, Uh... Yes, Rosalind. Rosalind was born in Davis County, the house of her father. And so in Rosalind's case, uh, particularly she would have been a male, but even in this case, she would have had to travel back at this point in her life to be in the house of her family to be taxed, to be counted. And, and I'm sure that people were complaining violently about this and saying, well, what is the deal? Why do we have to do this? Shouldn't somebody do something with this leader anyway? We should have a revolt. When is the Messiah going to come? When is the king going to come? And then, so Mary and Joseph travel back, and they're, they're back, and Mary's labor pains start. And I, now think, uh, like, I've, I've never had this experience, but I've been around a few people who have, and it's like something's happening now, and you're not going to stop it. And, oh, we are so far from home. You know, if we were home, mom could help. If we were home, my sisters could help. But we're not home. And, and who do I get for help? And, and as uh, 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 Tim last Sunday, right, Tim? Yes, Tim last Sunday. As Tim so ably explained that she, she went in the stable, and it's not even recorded that Joseph was with her. Mary had her baby. Most likely Joseph was out wandering around trying to find a midwife, a place, and there was no room at the inn. And as Mary's holding that baby, now you know the absolutely marvelous accounts of the fact that she's a virgin, she's holding this baby. Think about what went through her mind as she held the God of the universe in her arms, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and pretty soon she hears a knock at the door. Or here's a noise coming, 
And she thinks, well, maybe somebody's coming to worship, somebody's coming. And instead, it's a bunch of shepherds. Now, as in that world, uh, as in this world, shepherds are not often as so well respected. They weren't there. And the shepherds would have come in, and they said, well, we saw this, we saw this marvelous sign in the sky, and these angels came. And, and Mary thought, maybe they got into the Christmas cheer a little early. Uh, well, no, they didn't have Christmas then. Uh, you know, what do these guys say? But they, they come, and they, 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 they tell her, and she, it, it keeps over and over again saying, she marveled in her heart. And then, after the time of purification, which was a normal part of the process, she takes him up to the temple. And in this moment again, you have this wonderful moment where Simeon walks in, they meet somewhere in that room in the temple, and Simeon starts talking about this child. And now note what Simeon says. He says, He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. What is the consolation of Israel? And then he says, A light for revelation, for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people, Israel. And he said, This is a sign. This child is appointed for a sign that is opposed so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And then Anna is, is there as well. And she, she is... She is uh, giving thanks to God for this child, and she spoke about him to all the people who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Notice it doesn't say anything about Jesus coming as a Savior for the world. It says, for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when Paul writes about this, in Galatians 4.4, he says, when the fullness of time was come, God sent his Son in the right time in the right place, so that all who are under the law may be redeemed from the power of the law. And if you are a part of that family, um, you are a part of this. Now, I, as I was thinking about this, I began to see this kind of theme where God is saying, this is not some remote happening. I'm, not, I'm suddenly not done with my chosen people. The, my chosen people is just beginning to expand. And we have to go back into the story to see this. So God creates this world that is perfect. Man breaks that by sinning. And then God tells Eve, He said, I am going to send one who is going to deliver the world from the power of the evil one. And of course, uh, Eve has a child, and she names him the gotten one, and he proves very quickly he is not the one. And it's all this cycle through history. And then you have that scandal of God coming down and speaking to this man, Abram. And he tells Abram, from you are going to come many people. I'm going to bless the world. Through you is going to come this place. And Abram has a son. Very late in life, he has a false start and then a son. And then the son proves that he is, and it just goes on. And, and, and you have this kind of very broken people, Israel. And it's easy for us in the modern world to look back at Israel and say, man, they, just, they were terrible. God gave them all these signs, and they just walked away from God. Let me ask you the question. Has God not given us the same measure of sign? And the same one who came to redeem Israel from the power of the law has come to redeem us from the power of the law. But he makes some claims on our lives. And as we think about Christmas, it is much more than a baby born in a manger. It is actually the king of the universe. Read Daniel 7 sometime. And think about Daniel 7 when the ancient of days sends his, his son. And, and, and he's given the power of the universe. 
So I, I just wanna, I want us to think, so the manner of Jesus' birth is very important because it is not Jesus just parachuting in. This is Jesus, the Jesus coming to fulfill the prophecy and he's building on something. You are not part, we, the Christian church today is not part of something distinctly separate from Israel. We are the new Israel whose hearts are circumcised and all the promises of God in the Old Testament apply to us. And Jesus fulfilled all the law of the Old Testament, and gives us power to live above the law. We are the true people of God. And, and, and it, we're, we're not disconnected from the story of God. The Old Testament isn't something we should kind of shove to the back and only read at certain portions. It is a part of the story of God who, who wants to bring His power to bear. <clears throat> and when Jesus was born, that whenever it was, whatever day, in that stable in Bethlehem, it was like D-Day. It is the breaching into Satan's territory, and, and it is given, it, it is meant for us to see it, that this is a mighty deliverance. Read Revelation 12 sometime this week, and think about that being the, Christian sto- uh, the Christmas story. Revelation 12 says, And a woman gave birth, and Satan came after that child and the woman, and he chased, and, and, and there's this powerful story, and it's a part of the Christmas story. So God gave his son in this manner, in this way, because he is coming into the world to be the king of the world. And if you read the, if you read the story of Jesus in any other way, you are misreading it. And it is very clear from Simeon and Anna here that they see him as the deliverer of Israel, as a consolation of Israel. Now, let's just look a little bit at what, what Simeon says. Simeon says that Jesus is he's looking for the consolation of Israel. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. This is a, a term that was in common usage because the people were waiting for a Messiah, a deliverer, somebody who would come to deliver them from the power uh, of the Roman world, from, from their oppressors. And Jesus came to do that. <clears throat> and Jesus brought his power to bear in acts of love and mercy, in working for truth and for justice, he, he, for, for love, uh, Jesus. And he calls us as his followers to pick up that thread and take that into all the world. And we need to tell people that the consolation of Israel has come. I was thinking about the hymn, the, Christ, the Christmas stories that we were, we were singing this morning. Um, I, I was thinking... Uh, about the, the uh, glory to God, that phrase, glory to God in heaven and peace among his people. Uh, the whole point of Christmas is that in Jesus, born in Bethlehem, heaven and earth have come together. So that giving glory to God is linked to working for peace and truth and justice in our world. I am tired of people who say, well, that stuff doesn't matter. What really matters is following Jesus. If Jesus is our king, and he came to do that, and he makes no practical difference in our lives, in my life, I've been thinking about it a lot this week. Um, there, there are moments in my life when I am very broken. And in those moments, if I don't bring to bear Jesus, the rule of Jesus onto my life, the, the rule of Jesus as a little baby the rule of Jesus as a grown man, the rule of Jesus on the cross, if I don't bring that to bear on my life, in my relationships, I'm not his follower. 
Now, do I have to do it perfectly? And do I do it perfectly? Um, Ask my wife who lives with me. I don't. I don't. Then there is also this strange account that that, uh, Jackson read about these wise men. Now, we think that they came so to fund, you know, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's where we get focused on. That, that's to fund their trip into Egypt. No, 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 no. You know what these men are? These men are kingmakers. They're people from the east who, who study the stars and the signs of the times. They're prophets and kingmakers. And they go around from place to place, and they identify who the known leaders are in their world. And uh, camels aren't, uh, in spite of what Walnut Creek Farms has, and all that. Camels aren't the, uh, a big part of like Jeru- life in Jerusalem. They're there, but they come with caravans from the east. And, and when, the car- when, these cam- when you see a camel, you think about a caravan coming from the east. And suddenly these men come riding in on their camels. They're from the east. They're Babylonian. They're not, Ju- they're not Jewish. And they come riding in there in, 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 in kind of a... a they're or- Oriental men who come riding in, and, and they come in, and they, they have gifts, and they go. They naturally go to Herod, who is the, the ruler, and uh, they say, we saw a sign that there is a king going to be born. Now, a king going to be... Uh, Herod, by the way, is a greedy, selfish, um, violent sociopath who has no qualms about killing people who get in his way. King, wait a minute. I'm the king here. There is no king but Caesar. And there's no, no, there's a king but... You go find him. Go find him. And so they come into this household where... And, and they're not in the stable. This is a bit later. That's why I chose to read the Simeon Anna part. Um, they're, they're, they come into the stable. And in this stable... Uh, sorry, not in the house... And they knock on the, can you imagine knocking on the door and you open the door and there's these three kingmakers and they say, we came to see your baby. Woohoo! Um, they come in and, and they bring their gifts and I'm, I'm sure Joseph's eyes bugged. You go, Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's not a common thing. They come in and, and they, they, they essentially anoint him king. These strangers and foreigners anoint him king. And, and they say, this is the new king of Israel. And then they, they go have a, have a nap or a sleep. And in a dream, they're warned to not go back. And they sneak out of town. And then Herod says, oh, wait a minute. Where do those guys go? What do they do? And, and I, I'm saying all of this to say that Jesus came in this manner so that he could be crowned the king, the consolation of the Jews, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles, and a glory for Israel, which are his people. And, and, and when we believe that, if we believe that, if we believe that this is the true meaning of Christmas, that Jesus came as a king, that he came and was crowned, was anointed king there, it puts something, a new meaning to Christmas, but it also puts a call onto our lives. And if that is the case, then we have a choice. We can follow our own agendas. We can follow other kings, other loves, or we can choose to follow Jesus. And he demands absolute loyalty. Rightfully so. 
Because he has come to fulfill the story of God. The story that begins in Genesis and ends at the end of time. I read this story this week about a two-year-old who was just getting to know the Christmas story. He asked his mom if Jesus would actually be there when they celebrate his birthday. He's heard a lot about this Jesus, and he's been to other birthday parties. Will he meet Jesus himself tomorrow? Or Wednesday in this case? The little boy's parents and family have some interesting explaining to do around the dinner table. But the answer cannot be that Jesus isn't here, that he's absent. The answer must be, in fact, Luke's answer is, the angel's answer is, and our answer is, that you will see him at work when those who follow him praise him and celebrate his birth, and they go off to make praise echo around the homeless shelters, the prisons, hospitals, the homes where tragedy has struck, hearts that are broken with grief, and yes, even in our own homes. And if you add the other parts of the story together, that if you really want to see Jesus, learn to look for him in the faces of those in need, those who have tears, those who are broken, because it's for them that he came. So he puts a call on our lives. And the call is simply, will you follow the one born in Bethlehem? Will you anoint him king? Will you take on the story of being one of his followers? Let's stand together, worship team. You and I were who Paul was talking about when he said to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So as we go into this the holiday week, the true peace of Jesus can be found as we say, you are our king. You are my king. I'm going to invite the children to all come forward again. You didn't know this, children. Come on up. Gather around this table. You notice this morning there's another candle here. It's white. And so when Jesus came 2,000 years ago, in that stable in Bethlehem. Today we're celebrating the fact that he came not only to be a baby, but to be the king of the universe. And he puts a call on each of your lives. Um, who wants to light the, the middle candle? Who hasn't yet? Oh, I'll let you do, take care of that. So you light the white candle. This represents Christ. Thank you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I ask and pray that uh, I think many of the adults would want to be gathered here and be a little child 
and celebrate the wonder of you coming as our king to deliver us from something much bigger than ourselves and deliver us to something that is bigger. I pray that you would bless our week, bless our interactions with families, bless our interactions with broken the brokenness of our own families, our own lives, but also bless and, and help us to be grateful for all the good gifts that you've given us. May your name be glorified. Thank you for sending your son. In the name of Jesus Christ, our King, we pray. Amen. You can go back. Or you can all just sit up here.